Welcome to the UNT BSM audio resources. If you want more information on the BSM, you can go to untbsm.com. Thanks for listening. Well, how's everybody doing tonight? Good. Yeah, I don't believe you. It's, what, it's that week, isn't it? This is like that first week in school where it just kind of hits, right? You've got a bunch of tests, you've got a bunch of homework, you're like, this is not as fun as it was the start of the year. Now, now it's just school again. I get it, I get it. Um, so let's do this. We're going we're gonna to wake ourselves up a little bit. Here's a little bit of an interactive activity. How's that, how's that sound? Do this for me, okay? Uh, if you consider yourself to be a male, will you raise your hand? All right, everybody look around, look around real quick, look around. This is a little survey. Okay, put your hands down. If you consider yourself to be a female, would you raise your hands? Okay, a little, okay, look around. All right, all right. I think that holds true to statistics, about 50-50, that's good. Uh, let me do this. If you consider yourself to be white, would you raise your hand? Okay, if on a survey you say, you check white. Okay, we see you, all right. Put your hands down. Now... When you're taking a survey, if you check anything other than white, would you please raise your hand? Okay, cool. Glad you guys are here. I am actually Native American and the Choctaw tribe, so I check, I check Native American on that box. Um, although I still consider myself white, but just saying. What is white even? What does that mean? You know, I'm German. It's not, if anyway, it's another thing. Let me do this. If you consider yourself to be in a creative major, whatever that means to you, if you consider yourself to be in a creative major, raise your hand. Okay, so maybe this is art or music, RTVF, okay. And some of you are like, well, I can be creative in journal. Okay, whatever you think. Okay, put your hand down. If you consider yourself to be in a less creative major, maybe something a little more practical. There you go. Okay, I don't even know what that means, but good for you. Uh, let's see this. There's been a lot of this going around lately, okay? Uh, if you've been watching debates and you've been aware of the news, if you consider yourself, okay, as you're watching everything that's going on, if you're leaning a little bit more towards the Republican side of things, why don't you raise your hand? Okay, Republicans. Okay, everybody look around, look around. This is a survey. Okay, put your hands down. Now, if you consider yourself to be a little more on the Democrat side, why don't you raise your hand? Okay, good. You know what? There's good reasons to vote both ways. And there's good reasons to not vote both ways. Okay, so we're, we're happy that you guys are here. Um, do this. If you grew up in church, okay, if you grew up in a Christian home, you grew up going to church, raise your hand. Okay, okay, look around, look around. Okay, put your hands down. If you did not grow up going to church, why don't you raise your hand? Okay, cool, awesome. Okay, so there's lots of different people in this room. Okay, lots of different people coming from lots of different backgrounds. And, and funny things can kind of happen when we get people from different backgrounds together in a room, right? Like, it, get, it can get a little awkward sometimes. It can get a little tense, maybe. Uh, you ever been in a class where people discuss issues where there's a lot of different opinions? It can get a little heated, can it? Okay, or, or you know, maybe you just think back to your last family holiday. Right? Thanksgiving can get a little hostile, can't it? Okay? So weird things happen when people get, get into a room and, and we find out that people have differences. And I think this is some of the reason that, that what we tend to do in life is sort of cordon ourselves off into little groups. Okay, we kind of we try to hang out with just people that are more like us, that have values that are kind of like us. We, we like the same things, we've got the same experiences, and so we tend to be in groups that look a lot like us, don't we? And I think even in the church, we, we tolerate diversity, 
Okay, to an extent, like, we'll all come together and we'll sing songs together. And we might even go to group and we might talk about things a little bit. But, but then when it's done and you look at who you're really doing life with, who you're really yourself with, who you're really sharing with, you know, I wonder if, if sometimes we don't let some of these differences and these hostilities and these experiences shape us and shape what our lives look like. Well, the text that we're going to be in today in the book of Ephesians is going to speak right into how, how the gospel, in the gospel, something, something kind of remarkable happens with, with these differences that we have. And, and that we, it brings us together in a relationship that, that suddenly, we, for all of our differences, we have something more in common, something that overcomes all of our differences, and that, that's that we are all sinners saved by grace in Jesus Christ. And it's a beautiful picture, it's a beautiful implication of the gospel that I think we need to think about a lot more than we do. So, so open up, we're in chapter 2 of the book of Ephesians, and we're going to start with verse 11. Okay, so the book of Ephesians is kind of in the back of your Bible, pretty close to the back. The chapters are the big numbers, the verses are the little numbers, and we're in chapter 2, verse 11. Any, everybody there? Okay, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one around. You can, you can grab that. If you don't have a Bible at all, take it. That's our gift. We want you to have that. My name's Chase, by the way. Did I do that? I'm sorry. My name's Chase. I work here. So verse 11. What's the first word? Somebody tell me what the first word in verse 11 is. Therefore. That's right. Some of you guys that have been with us for a while, you know that if you see that word therefore, you should immediately ask yourself what question? What's it there for? Okay? That word is always a clue that tells you that he's connecting, the writer is connecting what's following with what came before it. So if you were here last week, we, we were there with Jay, and, and Jay walked us through the first half of chapter 2. And, and Jay rightly said that, that these are, the first half of chapter 2 is some of, um, some of our favorite verses as Christians. And you know, you can't really say, it's like saying you have a favorite kid. But, but these verses are such a succinct and such a, such a beautiful and such a poignant, simple statement of what we as Christians believe. And so it's rightly memorized and meditated on and, and talked about all the time. Um, but but there, the implications of what Paul talks about in those verses carry on through really the rest of the book. Okay, So we can't separate those verses and just know those verses and not read the rest of Ephesians. And, and remember what Jay said last week, that, that those verses deal primarily with a contrast. Don't they? That there's a big contrast in that. Let's, let's look back. Let's read them real quick so we can, we can know what we've got to deal with. So we'll start in just chapter 2, verse 1. I'm not going to read the whole part, but look at verse 1. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So he says, you were dead in your sins. But then look at verse 4. But God. See, it's a contrast. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So you were dead, but God made you alive together with Christ. You see that word together in verse 5? 
We who are dead in our trespasses and sins have been united with Christ by faith as a gift. Not the result of works, but the result of God's grace who raised us up. And I love last week how Jay really pointed out that, that all of this was really through our union, our connection, our togetherness with Christ. Because while we were dead, Christ was alive and reigning. And Christ came to us and he died the death that we deserve to die. And when he was raised up, we were raised up with him. And we went back to where he, we reign with him. It's all about us being tied up with Christ. That was kind of the, the, the point of the verses last week, that we are alive because Jesus is alive. Amen? We are forgiven because, because Jesus died and was raised again. But, but that union, that togetherness that we have with Christ has more implications because it's not just our individual union with Christ, although that's part of it. But, but what we're going to see today is that, that we weren't the only people that were raised up with Christ. And so while Christ came and died for us and brought us up to reign with him, he, he also died for this person and, and brought them up. And he also died for this person and, and brought them up. And, and so we are all raised up into our togetherness in Christ turns into a togetherness with one another. That's kind of the heart of what we're getting into. So look at verse 11. He says, Remember, therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you are at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. It's important to keep in mind that Paul is writing this letter primarily to non-Jewish Christian converts, okay, in Asia Minor. These are not Jews. Here, raise your hand. Okay, we got one more. Raise your hand. Anybody in here identify as Jewish, maybe Jewish ethnically? Anybody? Okay. Sarah, maybe a little bit? A little bit. Back there somewhere there's a little bit of Jewish. Okay. So so there's Sarah. If you're not Jewish, please raise your hand. Okay? Gentiles. That's what the Bible calls Gentiles, okay? You are not Jewish, okay? And, and this letter was written to Gentiles, primarily. And he's saying that, that Gentiles, you were dead, okay? That is to say that you were separated from God, okay? Separated from Christ. But he's saying not only were you separated from God, but you were even separated from Israel, from God's people, the people who originally received the message and the promises of the presence of God. Okay, we saw it when he opened up in Psalm 148 that it says that Israel was near God. God dwelt with them. And that's why Paul says that, that they, since they were separated from Israel, that they were without hope, that they were without God because they were alienated from God's people. And look at verse 13. What's it say? But now. See, there's another contrast. But now... In Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. When they believed in the death and the resurrection of Christ, they were brought near to God. And being brought near to God, they've also been brought near to the people of God. To all of the other people who have believed in God, they've all been brought into this full inclusion. So he's saying before you were like foreigners, you were alienated from the commonwealth, but now you've become citizens. Okay? Before you were strangers to all of these promises, you didn't, you didn't know these promises that God made to Israel in the Old Testament. Promises to preserve and to bless and to increase and to dwell with. But now Israel's promises are your promises too. How? What's it say? By the blood of Christ. 
The same blood that washes your sin, the same resurrection that raises you up together with Christ individually has accomplished something remarkable corporately as a body together. And there's even more behind that because not only were the non-Jews, the Gentiles, alienated from Israel, separated from Israel, but also Israel was separated from all the Gentiles. There was a lot of separation there. Did you see when Paul says that, that they called them the uncircumcision? Okay? The Jews were, were circumcised. If you need me to explain what circumcision is to you, ask your dad. Okay? <laughs> but, but the Jews had these, these rights and these distinctivenesses, separation, and they called anyone other than them the uncircumcision. It was, it was kind of derogatory. They thought that they were better than these other people. They thought that, you know, because they followed the rules and they were kind of the godly people that that they were better, which wasn't how they were supposed to be, okay? They were supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. They were supposed to be a beacon of hope, but their hearts kind of drifted into legalism. And so they thought that they were a little better than everyone else because they followed the rules. And I think you see this attitude working itself out a little bit today, don't you? Okay, so some people who think because they've always been in church that they live kind of conservatively and you know, they've always followed the rules that, that they kind of think, well, they're kind of better than those people who are outside of the church. Not, that's not everybody in the church. I don't want to say that, but that happens sometimes. And I think in the same way that, that non-church people, okay, who maybe have real questions about God and the Bible and, and what you know, is really going on in life and, and they think, well, maybe there's something in this Jesus stuff, but I do not like those church people. Maybe I've had one or bad interaction with them, or I've had my kind of ideas about Christians shaped by culture or, or anything like that, but, but there's some hate welling up in my heart. And I say, I don't want anything to do with those church people. Okay? There's, there's some hostility even today. And I think speaking to the same sort of hostility that, that Paul is talking about. So if you put all of these people, you put the Jews and the Gentiles together in a room, it gets kind of awkward. And it's, and it's worse than that because there was some racial tension. Some like real serious racial tension. Okay? That, that the, the Gentiles was a wide group of people. Okay? It was Scythians and barbarians. Okay? It was, it was the, the Persians and the Syrians and the Greeks and the Egyptians and the Romans. It was anybody that wasn't Jewish. And, and so those people were always fighting against each other. Okay? And, and one time or another, they pretty much all conquered Israel at some point. Okay? They all oppressed the Jews at some point. So the Jews were the recipients of this, this persecution and, and this oppression for long periods of time. And so there was a lot of sort of racism in that. And then now, all of a sudden, you've got all of these people from different backgrounds, different races, different stories, different everything. And they've all put their faith in Jesus Christ. And so they've all been brought up here together in Christ. And they're looking down the room and they're like, wait, you're here? You got in? Oh man, no way. And they're trying to figure out what to do. And some of those old hostilities kind of work themselves in. What would it be like at the church potluck? (laughs) Right? So the Jews walk in and they're like ritually washing themselves. And then all the Greeks come in with a roasted pig. And they're like, let's go. Okay? Or some of the Gentiles are like, let's throw a party. And they throw it on Saturday. And the Jews are like, come on. We're Sabbathing. some awkward tension but then there might even be like some some real you know heat going on in that like there's an Egyptian guy and a Roman guy sitting down and and this Egyptian has never really forgotten how the Romans conquered them in 30 BC and really did a lot of damage to them as a people and so he's sitting across the table from this Roman guy and he's like wait we're supposed to just share a meal and worship Jesus together what would it be like if if a freed black slave sat down at the table with a former white slave owner. 
And they're suddenly supposed to have this fellowship in Jesus. What do we do with that? How are we, how are we supposed to get over this hostility? Where, where are we supposed to find peace? Look at verse 14. It says, He Himself is our peace. That's Jesus. For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. Jesus is our peace. We often talk about how Jesus is the bridge between man and God, but I don't know that we always think about Jesus being the bridge between man and man. But the book of Colossians says that in Christ, God is reconciling all things to himself. He's reconciling everything to himself and to each other. So, so think about it like this, as Jesus being the bridge between peoples, that the Jews did not like the Gentiles. Okay? The, the Jews wanted to remain separate from the Gentiles. They had these rules. But, but the Gentiles had been conquering them for centuries. And so, so the Jews felt a lot of hostility coming from the Gentiles. Okay? They, so they wanted to distance themselves. But Christ, Jesus, was born a Jew. And he went to the Gentiles and received their hostility. He let the Gentiles kill him. And who was he dying for? For them. So a Jew came and died for these Gentiles so that they can be reconciled to God. And in the same way, the Gentiles felt some hostility coming from the Jews because the Jews had all of these rules that made them distinct. That the Jews or the Gentiles never felt like they could really have a relationship with these people because of all these rules that kept them separated. Rules that were meant to to ensure that Israel didn't worship other gods, but rules that also caused a lot of division. And Jesus came and he fulfilled all of those rules. That's why Paul says that he abolished the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. That he fulfilled all of those rules so that people could be made clean. That that division was one for the Jews of cleanness and uncleanness. And they thought that they were unclean. But Jesus came and died on a cross, on a tree. Do you know what it means for a Jew to die on a tree? It means he's become unclean. It's cursed. In their culture. So Jesus came to become unclean so that the Jews could have a relationship with these newly cleaned Gentiles. That Jesus is bridging the gaps. Okay, look at, look at verse 15, what he's accomplishing in this. He says, He's abolished the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace. And he might reconcile us both. To God, Jews and Gentiles in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Christ was killed to kill the hostility. Because what is the cross if not a great equalizer? The cross is a statement that God came because of our sin. To die for us. So for all of our perceived differences, we're really all the same sinners in need of a Savior. And Jesus came to die. While we were dead in our trespasses and sins, separated from Christ, Christ died to save each of us. So next to the gospel, all of our differences look pretty minor, don't they? That we are all humans in need of a Savior. And we have that Savior in Christ. 
So what does this mean? Okay, is, is what Paul's saying here that, that now we're all Jews? Because that's kind of what it sounds like. Okay, that, that we've been brought near, we've been brought into the commonwealth of Israel. Is that what he's saying? No. Because, because Christ has brought the Jews near in the same way that he brought the Gentiles near. Okay? Even though they had the original promises, they too were sinners in need of a Savior. They too were only going to be saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So look at verse 17. He says, that's why he says that Jesus came and preached peace to you who were far off. That's the Gentiles. And peace to those who were near. They all needed the same gospel. And look back at verse 15. It says that he created in himself one new man in place of the two. So where there were Jews and there were Gentiles, Christ has brought them all together in himself. And he has created an entirely new race of people called Christians, called the church. Isn't that incredible? Galatians 3 verse 28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? We are one. One new nation in Christ. So what I don't want you to hear this saying, is this isn't saying that what you are doesn't matter. Okay, this isn't saying that, that whether you're a Jew or a Greek or black or white or Republican or Democrat, what that doesn't mean is that this doesn't matter anymore. Okay? That all of those things are who you are and they're important about you. Those things have contributed to, to your story. They've contributed to your testimony. They've contributed to your experiences and your culture. And, and all of those things are important to God. Like we prayed when, when we see the picture of heaven in the book of Revelation, God has redeemed for himself a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And they are worshiping him According to their culture. God's glad. He's glad to look out and see that diversity. He's glad to see this this mosaic of different people. And they're all telling their different stories about how they came to faith in Jesus Christ. God loves that diversity. And so we don't want to just push all of that away and say you've got to be something other than you've been your whole life. We want to celebrate the good things about where you're coming from, your experiences and your stories. But what this is saying is that while those things are all important about you, they are not the most important thing about you anymore. So if your identity is rooted in anything other than Christ, if what is most important about you is anything other than Christ, then, brother, sister, you haven't realized this yet. Because now you are a, a Christian. You are a new creation in Christ. But what that also doesn't mean is that, that past hurts and past experiences just go away. Or get glossed over. Because now we're all this new creation in Christ. That doesn't mean that the Egyptian guy and the Roman guy should sit down and just be like, Hey man, no harm, no foul. Because there was harm. There is hurts. If there's tension or hostility because of sin in the past, it doesn't mean that we just forget about it now that we're Christians. If you felt like you were hurt by Christians in the past, but now you believe in Jesus, that doesn't mean that you can't share your frustration with the church. Okay? And hope for reconciliation. All this means is that Christ is our peace. That Christ has paid for our sins. So we can confess those things. We can seek forgiveness. We can seek help. Likewise, this truth doesn't change the fact that in our country, white people at one point owned black people. This doesn't change that. But now it gives us hope that when we sit down, we have a source of peace, of reconciliation. But there still needs to be 
apologies and admission of wrong. There still needs to be hurts expressed and there needs to be awkward questions asked and there needs to be tension worked out. This just gives us a context where we can actually find hope for restoration. Do you see that? So we're not pretending like this stuff just went away because we're Christians, but now we can actually get somewhere. That's the point of what this is saying. So look at verse 18. It says, For through Him we both have access in one Spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. In the Old Testament, God was worshipped in a temple. Okay, you know this? That they built a big stone complex and, and they would enter into the temple and that's how they would worship God through their sacrifices and through their rituals. And, and for the Jewish people who had this temple, that was a reminder that God was near to them. It was a reminder that God dwelt with them. It was a good thing. But for everybody that wasn't part of Israel, it was a reminder of the distinctiveness of the separateness that they had. That they couldn't go into that temple. It was a reminder of division. And Paul is saying something incredible with these last few verses. That he's saying is that that temple, that stone temple, that doesn't matter anymore. There's a new temple now. Just like there's a new Israel. A new Israel made of Jews and Gentiles who have faith in Jesus Christ. And the new temple that we worship in is us. He starts talking about us like we're a a living structure that's being built up, that Jesus is our cornerstone, but that, that we together are this dwelling place for God, that the Spirit dwells in us, and that when we all come together in our diversity, but in our unity, this, this is where we go to meet God now in the church. And so what was a symbol of division, this temple, has now become an amazing symbol of unity. That we all have access to God through one spirit. And we are this temple now. We are this dwelling place. So if you're here and you're not a Christian, really glad that you're here. I'm not going to make you raise your hand. Don't worry. If you're here and you're not a Christian, this is what you're being invited into. Access to God. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. doesn't matter how far away you were. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your experience is. It doesn't matter what your culture is. It doesn't matter anything about where you've been. This is available to you. You can come to God. But more than that, you can come into a family. You can fellowship with all of us. And, and not only that, not only can you come and be with us, but we get to be with you. And we need you. We're we're not complete without you, without your story, without your culture, without your background. And Jesus is calling you to join us in this amazing new race that he's made in him. And the only thing that's stopping you is you. It's right here. He has made the way. Come on. Come on in. Join the family. It's going to be awkward, I promise. But we have a way out. And if you're in here and you are a Christian, 
few points of application and then we'll be done. I want you to turn to chapter 4. Turn to chapter 4. This is Paul, like I said, building on the same argument that he made. He said, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness. This is talking to you Christians. With patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Christians, the church is the place where division ceases. The church is a place to show the dramatic, peacemaking, hostility-ending, division-breaking love of Christ to one another. There is no room for old hostilities in the church. And there is certainly no room for new hostilities in the church. There's no room for beefs in this family. So I'm not saying that you have to be best friends with everyone, but we have to be eager to maintain unity and the bond of peace. So if you need to have a conversation with somebody to seek forgiveness or to seek understanding, man, why'd you do that? That hurt me. Do it. If you need another brother or a sister or a pastor to come with you into that conversation, bring them. But do it. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. That's how the devil gets a foothold. That's how the devil divides us. But we are to be eager to maintain the bond of unity. And that word eager really stands out to me, okay? So here's another question, Christians. Are you eager to be with other Christians? Are you actually spending time with the church, like real time? Not just showing up on Tuesday night or Thursday night or Sunday night and singing the songs and listening to the message and then going home? Is the majority of your closest relationships with people who are still outside of this family of faith? Because if that's the case, then I I think you're kind of missing the point, okay? Because you can't maintain unity if you're never together. Jesus died to save a church, not just you. And you can't love the church without being with them. And you can't be loved by the church without being with them. So, so however you need to do this, however you need to, to start walking in obedience and repentance so that you can actually be unified with the church, please do that. If it means that you've got to go out of your way to get a little bit of extra time with somebody. If it means that you've got to come to church early. Just a little early, like 30 minutes early, instead of sleeping in up to the minute, so that you can talk to these other people that you're in fellowship with. Do that. If it means sticking around a little bit after, if it means going to get lunch with some people from your church, if it means grabbing a coffee with somebody, if it means, you know what, you might get a B in one of your classes, but you're getting time with the church, we're going to spend forever together. You better start now, right? And my challenge to you is this, that that if you're spending time with Christians as you're going out and you're trying to to find that, don't overlook the people that are really different from you. 
But seek to engage those people especially, intentionally. Because I get it. It's hard to sit down with somebody that, that you share nothing in common with. Until you remember that you share everything in common in Christ. So maybe is it, even as you're in your groups tonight, pay attention to people. It's like, wow, this person is just really different from me. They're from a very different background than I am. They're from, they have a very different story than I do. Or they hang out in a very different social group than me. And rather than that being a reason to say, hey, that's cool that we're in group together. But, but the rest of my time I'm going to just spend with these guys. I'd say, man, maybe, maybe make some effort to ask that person out to a coffee. And look, I just gave you guys all permission. So, you know, there's weird coffee dates happening now after this. You know where it's coming from, okay? (laughs) And this isn't to guilt you. This isn't to say that you should feel bad about who your friends are or anything like that. I'm just saying that that Jesus has done something remarkable and that there's something really good that happens. There's something very God-glorifying and diverse people being unified together in Christ. And you stand to gain a lot. By this mystery of, of Jesus bringing all of these people together. That it's good for you, it's good for all of us, and it brings God glory. Because nobody's beyond saving. That's that's the point of this. So let's let's glorify God as a body. Let's be this temple together. And let's remember the, the point of all of this that there was nobody more different from you than Jesus was from us. And Jesus came to die, that we could be made alive with him. And so we want to just go out and love people with that same kind of love. Amen? All right, let's pray and you guys can go to your group. Lord, thank you for this amazing reality that you have brought different people together. According to your wisdom, according to your plan, according to your purposes and for your glory. And because you love us. God, thank you for... Sending your son to be our peace with you. And I pray that if there's anyone in here that doesn't believe that, that, that needs to hear that they have peace with you, God, would you, would you whisper that truth into their heart? Would you use the words of the Apostle Paul through this book to tell them that they have peace with you already? If they would just believe. And God, would you help us who are the church to, to maintain that unity, to be eager for the bond of peace. God, it's hard for us because, because we're still sinful. We still hold grudges. We still, we still get hurt and, and want to hurt back. There's still hostility. But Jesus, we believe that you have come to kill the hostility. So would you help us to walk that out this week in our groups and in our school and at work and everything else, God? And would our ministry and would our churches be a picture of this amazing unity in diversity that your gospel is? Would we be able to testify to a world that is so fragmented and separated and and hostile? Would we be able to testify to them of the amazing peacemaking power of your cross? Would we live that out in our friendships and our interactions and all of these things? Lord, would you guard us against legalism? Would you guard us against false guilt? And help us to walk in grace. Such a sweet gift from you. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, so what we're going to do is, uh, if you need to talk to somebody, if you have questions, if you just want prayer, we're going to have some of our staff standing right over here next to the plug. Uh, Small group leaders, why don't you guys hop up and kind of get into your positions.
And you guys are dismissed. We'll be back here uh, close to 9. And then we're all going to go to Whataburger after, right? Or are we going somewhere else tonight? It's Whataburger. Okay. Love you guys.